Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirabbil alamin wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulihil nabiyil karim amma ba'd. Ibadallah yaqulullahu subhanahu wa ta'ala fi kitabihi al-aziz fi kitabihi al-aziz ba'da an aqula a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wama umiru illa liya'budullaha mukhlishina lahud din. Sadaqallahu al-aliyyul adhim. Wa qala an-nabiyyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam innamal a'malu bin niyyat aw kama qala alayhi as-salatu wa at-taslim. Inshallah today we're going to continue Ibn Atallah rahimullah's book of Kitab al-Hikam the book of wisdoms. Today we're at the part where Ibn Atallah rahimullah he says al-a'malu suwarun qa'ima wa arwahuha وجود سر الإخلاص فيها. He says الأعمال سور قائمة. The actions are lifeless forms. What gives them life is the presence of إخلاص and sincerity. Actions are lifeless forms. What gives them life is the presence of إخلاص. After discussing the importance of building a right mindset, when trying to establish a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ibn Atala rahimahullah is expounding on that point and teaching us. Do not focus on the outer appearance and the quantity of a'mal, instead, of, instead focus on the quality. The quality of a'mal is based on sincerity. And he gives an example of ikhlas, being a soul, and the a'mal is the body. As long as there is a soul in the body, it is valued and carried for, and cared for. And once the soul leaves, what do we do? We bury the body and we even pay large sums of money to get rid of it. The same body that was valued and held in great esteem, people are now getting rid of it. Because the true value of a person was never his outer appearance. It was never how they look. It was never their outer being. It was his soul. Without the soul, people don't want to keep the body. It's dead. There's no soul in the body. I want to get rid of it. Put in a coffin, bury it, and get rid of it. Similarly, the value of prayer, of our salah, of our fasting, and our hajj, and our umrah, it was never the action itself. It was the heart and soul that gave it value. And the heart and soul is ikhlas. You'll see nowadays, so many people do ibadat. They do so many actions, physical actions. But there's absolutely no value in it. Why? Because there was never sincerity. So just like we don't want to keep a soulless body around us, Allah is saying, I do not accept a, accept a soulless good deeds. So if you're praying salah and there's no sincerity in it, you're giving charity, there's no sincerity in it, you're going for hajj, you're going for umrah, you're doing all of these actions, all of these ibadah, and there's absolutely no sincerity in it, that I don't want it. It's useless to me. It doesn't matter how much a person gives in the path of Allah. It doesn't matter how much they pray. It doesn't matter how many times they fast. It doesn't matter how many hajj they have performed. It does not matter how many umrahs they have done. If there is no sincerity, there is no ikhlas, it's useless. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala, he says that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inna Allah la yandur, ila Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not look at your, your appearance. 
Right? He does not look at your suwar. He does not look at your, uh, your amwal, your, 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 your money. He doesn't look at your wealth or your parents. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at your hearts and the actions that you have done. So outwardly, you can look amazing. You can look beautiful. But inwardly, if you're corrupt inward, then Allah says, I don't look at you. Imam Hakim rahimullah, he narrates, that upon the occasion of sending off Mu'az ibn Jabal radiyallahu ta'ala to Yemen, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa gave the following advice to Mu'ad radiyallahu He said, be sincere in your faith. Be sincere in your faith. And even a few good deeds will suffice for you. Be sincere in your faith and a few good deeds will suffice for you. There's actually a slightly daif narration. However, the meaning of it is authentic and sahih. The narration itself might be daif, but the meaning of it is authentic based off of other narrations of Nabi Be sincere in your faith and even a few good deeds will suffice. We don't, you know, Allah is not like us. See, as human beings... We look at, okay, how many followers do I have? How much money do I have? How big of a building have I built? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not looking at that. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking at is the few things that you did. Did you have ikhlas or not? Did you have sincerity or not? Imam Abu Bakr ibn Abi Dunya and Imam Bayhiqi rahimullah, they said similar things. He says, khayrul amal the best action, the best action are those that are done secretly. Khayrul Amal. The best actions are those that are done akhfahu. They are done secretly. No one knows. Why? They are the most protected from the influence of shaitan and they are the furthest away from riya. And they are the most distant from riya. Because when you do something in secret, shaitan can't use that. If I do something publicly, give a speech publicly, I have fame publicly, I have money and people know publicly, shaitan can use that to destroy me publicly. Even if you had ikhlas, even if you had ikhlas, shaitan can go around telling people this person only donated and does all of these things is because he's showing off. Shaitan has an opportunity to use what is done publicly to say that you don't have sincerity. It doesn't matter if that person has sincerity or not because shaitan really doesn't care. He's looking to tear you down anyways. So because it's done secretly, shaitan can't use it. And for you on a personal level, it saves you from showing off because no one knows you did that action. No one knows you did that action. A good way to understand this example. You have a young child that's maybe three or four years old. That young child does not really do much actually to benefit or help the parents. Even if he or she tries to help you with something, it probably it might even make the work difficult. You're coming in my way, I think I can do this by myself. So you need to take the grocery out of the car, and your two or your three, four-year-old daughter or son comes to you, and they come in the way, they come in front of the trunk, and you're saying, move, you're, you're getting in my way, I need to pick up the bags, you're in my way, I can't pick it up. So the child is actually causing you more difficult. But now you need to carry some bags, and that young child comes, 
and takes the smallest bag there is. It might not even have any weight. But that child wants to carry that small bag to try to help the mother and father. How much does the parent appreciate that? It's a very small action. I mean, it barely benefited. You probably could have picked up that bag yourself. You really didn't need them to. But the fact that that child, with such sincerity, it's a very small action, a few good deeds, you can say. How much does a parent appreciate that? Even though it didn't really help. Why, why do we appreciate it so much? It was never the action. It was the heart behind it. In front of Allah, what we do is nothing. Really, what, what can we do in front of Allah? Allah is Al-Qadir. Allah is Al-Kabir. He's Allahu Akbar. Like what we do is like really, if we really say it in our language, it's petty. Like what we do in the eyes of Allah subhanahu in the front of Allah subhanahu in comparison to what Allah does, it's a very small good deed. But it's appreciated if there's sincerity. So that child didn't really do anything. But you appreciate it because you know that where that child's coming from, a place of sincerity and a place of love. Now let's fast forward a few years. This child's a little bit older, maybe a teenager. And now they're able to actually help a lot. They're able to carry heavier bags. But every time that, teen that teenage child does something that his mother or her mother or her father and their father tells them to do something, they groan and they sigh and they complain. And you're always giving me work. You're always doing that. They're clearly showing they're only doing this because they have to do it. They don't actually want to do it on their own. They're being forced to do it. Now this teenager is actually doing more work than that two to three year old child. But which action do you think means more to the parent? The one that actually helped the parent more or that three to four year old child that barely helped? That's how Allah looks at us. That is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at us. He's not looking at how much we're doing. Allah is not looking at quantity. There's no doubt there's a lot of reward in quantity. But Allah is not looking at that. Allah wants to see, okay, how much of what you did, did you do for me? That's it. I want to see your quality. The most beloved action to Allah is something that is done consistently, even if it's a small action. To understand this, if a person wakes up one day and says, you know, I feel like reciting Quran, and you get all hyped up, you know, you prepare yourself, you sit down, you know what, I'm going to recite the whole Quran today. You lock yourself up in a room, put your shawl on, put your imam on, put your job on, put some nice ithar on, and you start reciting Quran. Start reciting Quran. And then all of, mashallah, and one day, you finish the entire Quran. Spent the entire day just doing ibadah, just reciting Quran. You know, a lot of people think this is far-fetched. In reality, this is not far-fetched. Even when we do itikaf in Ramadan, we have so many people who are able to recite the Quran smoothly, nicely, easily reciting it the entire day. And they're able to complete the entire Qur'an. However, this person gets hyped up and exhausted himself in reciting the entire Qur'an. And he exhausted himself so much that for the next six months, this person never read Qur'an. Never touched the book of Allah again. Then you have another person. 
that recited maybe one page a day. Six months. Six months, one page a day. He doesn't even finish the Quran by reciting one page a day. He reads one page a day. He doesn't even finish the Quran in six months. For example. Now compare the two. The person that only read one page but read it every day consistently. Or the person that got hyped up one day and recited the entire Quran. Who will get more reward in the eyes of Allah? The one who probably didn't finish the Quran but did it consistently. Because Allah was never looking at your quantity. Allah was looking at your consistency and your quality. It was never about how much. It's about how well. It's about how sincere you are. The main roadblocks to ikhlas. Number one is the lack of real charity in our lives. We live in a world where everything and anything we do, we must get us something worldly return. It's also always about what am I going to get out of it? Okay, if I do this thing, I need something in return. Even if we do things for others, there's an understanding that this person will retain their favor to me. If I ever need something, I can call them and be like, okay, I did this for you. And you already have it in the back of your mind that you did something for so and so, so this person has to return the favor. So we live in an era where we don't know how to do something as a real charity and expecting absolutely no return. And we only treat good we only treat people good if they treat us good. If they don't, then why should I treat a person so well if they don't treat me well? We need something in return for even treating someone well. I'm going to treat you well, you better treat me good. I'm going to treat you good, you better treat me good. You look after me, I look after you. No. That is why we should look for those certain people that we know cannot give us anything in return and go help them. It could be a sick person that will never be able to repay you. It could be a poor person that you might never see again. But look for certain people that you can go out there and actually go do something for them without that, knowing that they do not have the ability to return the favor. Let alone our friends, people even need to be convinced why should they go out of their way for their own parents? If the parent do not always agree on what the child wants, we are looking for ways, uh, why should we do something for our parents? We're looking for return from our parents too. Mom, dad, I'm going to do this for you, but I, I want something back. I want to go to my friend's house, or I want to buy this, or I want permission to do this. But I'm not going to do anything free for my parents. It's ridiculous. Hey, we're not doing free things anymore. In the rare event that we do give a lot of charity for good cause, we accept or expect recognition from the organization or maybe some decision-making power. Okay, I'm going to donate, I'm going to do these volunteers, but you know, the next time you guys do something, I want to be able to say something. Or if I'm going to donate, then you know what, I'm only going to donate as long as this masjid, this institute, this organization continues to do the things that I want. I want something in return. People donate to the masjid and feel like they did a favor to the masjid board or to the imam. No, no, no. When the sahaba radiallahu ta'ala were donating and looking for opportunities to donate, they would say, we are so lucky we have someone to benefit. We feel like the one we donated to is, is lucky. The sahaba radiallahu felt lucky they had someone to donate to. Why? Because from amongst the signs of qiyamah is that people will have so much wealth, you won't find any poor people to give money to. From amongst the signs of qiyamah is that everyone will have wealth, you will not be able to find people that you can donate to. 
So the Sahaba Rajma'in, when they were able to donate to people, when they were able to give something to people, they felt like it was an opportunity because a day will come that they will not have this opportunity. They considered, a, a, they considered themselves lucky. But nowadays when we donate, the donation, the masjid or the organization or the person we gave to, we feel like we did them a favor. No, they did you a favor. They did, that is how you're supposed to feel. Man, I'm so lucky that I had an opportunity to donate to something that I didn't have the means to do. I didn't have the strength, the ability start, to start a musalla, a masjid, or, or feeding the homeless, or doing any of these things. I did not have the ability to do that, but I had the opportunity to donate. How lucky am I that I get the reward of all of these things without having to do anything? That is how we're supposed to feel. The second problem that we have when it comes to ikhlas is the rise of this fake persona. Everyone is so fake. We try to present ourselves as something we're not. Even in the most simple things, we feel like we need to exaggerate. Even though we know, and the listener knows that it's not true. For example, you meet a relative after so long, and you might say, I missed you so much, even though you don't miss them at all. But to make it look like you care about someone, you're yelling, oh, I missed you so much, I've been thinking about you. No, you have, you've probably never thought about them in the past five years. But to make them feel good because we want to present ourselves as something that we're not. We have fake offers. You ask a person who stops by your house, hey, is there anything that I can get you? And you, you're hoping they say no, but you just wanted to feel good about offering. Is there something that I can give you? And in the rare event that they offer you, they say, oh yeah, we want something to eat or drink. We quickly, oh no, I, I, I don't have anything to give you. I was just, I was just, just formalities. I was just asking you because that's what everyone else does. But we don't really mean it. Or someone was unable to make it for your event or your wedding and you tell them they were really missed even though they realized, you know, we really missed your event. We really wanted to be there even though you really don't care about it. Because we can no longer be real and that was the amazing thing about the Sahaba Rajma'in. They were straightforward. They told you how it is. All of this fake persona leads us to not being sincere. We, especially this rise of social media. Right? These amazing pictures that we put on social media. It was never the actual person. It was the camera or the picture, the quality of the phone that made it look real. It's so fake. You have these men present something. And the rise of media is such that I've literally seen events, our own organizations, the media is all deceptive, that an event probably wasn't even successful, but they will take the videos that was just packed and was one of the greatest events to present it to the media. Because media is deceptive, that's the purpose of media, to present something that does not, is not reality, does not exist. So students and people would say, oh, it was amazing, I couldn't believe it, oh, I was laughing the whole time, I was paying attention the whole time, it was this, that, whatever, because they need to present something to the media. It's all fake. Especially this rise of social media has made everyone fake. The pictures that we see will be fake, the videos that we see will be fake, and it will not give the real meaning of what happened. That, that is how you win social media, by being deceptive all night. And I end with this, inshallah. How can we build ikhlas? 
Number one, acknowledgement of the problem. You can only fix yourself if you can acknowledge that there's something going on. Make dua and ask Allah for sincerity. Feeling guilt or shame for not having sincerity leads to sincerity. There's a scholar by the name of Sheikh Hassan Ali Nadwi, rahimullah. He says the problem with the ummah is not that they, don't, they have bad intention. The problem with the ummah is that they have no intention at all. They just do and they live, they live like animals. They just do whatever they want because they felt like doing it. Our Ustad Shaykh Al-Hadith Mulan Abdul Muisab, who is our Bukhari teacher, he used to tell us that every Muslim should make this dua after every salah, Oh Allah, I ask you for ikhlas. I ask you for sincerity. I ask you for ikhlas and sincerity in whatever I do. Every day, keep asking this dua. Keep making dua for sincerity. Oh Allah, make me sincere in whatever I do. Whether it's being a good father, a good husband, a good leader, whether it's my salah, whether it's my work, whatever I do, give me sincerity. Sincere, your, your intention is so powerful. This is the only religion that for every action that you do with correct intention, you can get reward for it. If you go to work with the intention that Allah commanded you and Allah told you that you need to provide your family, that every second and every minute that you are at work, you're getting reward for it. If you are sitting with your children and your wife and your spouse and you're having a good time, you're laughing and you're joking and as long as it's not haram, then because you're putting a smile on your family and your children, there's already reward for making another Muslim smile and there's a double reward for making your spouse and your children smile and there's reward in having a good time. There's reward in having a good time. There's a reward in playing sports with sincerity and ikhlas, doing it for the sake of Allah, to have the energy so I can go back and, and do more ibadah, or to make the other Muslim brothers that I'm playing with, to make them happy and have a good time with them. There's reward in having a good time, as long as the intention is correct. It's so powerful. The Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam lived his life in accordance to the Qur'an, and he followed this verse too of, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ that, I do, that we have not been created except for the ibadah and the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is not a second in the life of a Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam From the time of Prophethood, it filled 23 years. From the life of a Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam the 23 years went into the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How? The Prophet ﷺ had, got married, he had children, he looked after his children, he looked after his grandkids, he joked with the Sahaba he did so many other normal, noble things that human beings do, but every second of the life of a Nabi ﷺ went into the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how beautiful and powerful this religion is, and this is the power and the power of sincerity and ikhlas. That every second of our life, Without a doubt, every second of our life can be in the ibadah of Allah. Ibadah is not just direct ibadah, which we are just praying and putting our heads on the, on the ground. But ibadah is also other actions too, such as charity and making others smile. This is ibadah. So if we concentrate on our intention, whatever we do, we can get reward for it. Otherwise, we can do normal, permissible actions, but we're not getting reward for it because we don't have correct intention. We're just doing it. We're doing a normal action, taking out the trash. It's a normal action. And we can get reward for it by having sincerity. Number two, staying away from useless things. The more we engage in useless things, the more distraction comes to our mind. The more distracted we are, the less sincere, sincerity we have. We can have sincere mind. We can, uh, we can have, since our mind is wandering when we're doing amal. Example, you're praying. You're praying a salah, but your mind is on the basketball game. Your mind is on the video game. You're basically on autopilot. How could you have any sincerity? You're thinking about finishing your salah and going back to playing basketball. Or you're thinking about finishing your salah and going back to playing video games. You're an idiot pilot. 
You're not really focused. I'm not saying it's wrong to play video games. I'm not saying it's wrong to play basketball. There's nothing wrong with those things. But you can make those things correct with the proper intention. But our minds should not be on video games and basketball when we're praying our salah. Number three, having some actions in your day that no one else knows about and it does not benefit you inwardly at all. This could be financial charity. It could be offering two salah, two rakats. It could be praying tahajjud or even a cent amount of zikr that you do alone that absolutely no one knows about. Your brothers don't know about it. Your sisters don't know about it. Your siblings don't know. Your parents don't know. No one knows. The only one that knows that you do this ibadah and this action is you. No one else knows. It could be something simple as two rakats. You have something every day that you do that only you and Allah know about. There is an action every day that only you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala know about. If you try to do these things, inshallah, Allah subhanahu, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase our sincerity, to get, grant us the tawfiq, to correct our intentions, and whatever we do, may we do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jazakumullahu khayram wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.